Cody, good to see you. How you been? Fucking Trevor! So I have, I like BookTok, but I also have a lot of problems with BookTok, um, mainly because um, the most popular book influencers, I think, um, are idiots they, and suck and are terrible. No, that's not okay. what I mean, but sort of like, you know, oh, I read... 200 books in a year. I read 150 books in a year and they sort of read the same formulaic genre and they like keep recommending essentially the same product, which is fine. But sort of like, you know, on one hand you have this resurgence of reading, but I feel like reading has become too gamified to have mm -hmm. the positive influence on your mental health, but also on your sort of like emotional development that reading can give you. Like it shouldn't be you know, uh, about how much you've read, it should be sort of about, I think, more what do you actually think about the things that you've read? And I'm not saying that, like, you know, everybody should just read classics. Like, I'm not saying that at all. But, like, if you read, for example, the same, um, you know, um, you know, I don't want to shit on genres because I really like genres, but I feel like there is like a, a particular subgroup of genres that are very popular on BookTok or sort of online book communities that are too formulaic to like not see that as a problem. Because essentially, like BookTok, that the, the the books that are very popular on BookTok, it's like it's it's a Marvel equivalent of books. Like they're just like you have these fantasy romances or fantasy books or like romances romances and like when you pay a, at least a little bit of attention to like sort of the, all the most popular titles it's just it's the same more or less the same formula all the time and you know a lot is being said about how marvelization of film is a worrying phenomena and i don't think enough is being said how this element of book talk is a very dangerous phenomenon and sort of that, you know, the most popular books are not only, you know, generic, they're extremely formulaic and like what that does to already an industry, you know, there's a lot more books being published each year than there's like films being made. Like that's, that's already like completely out of scale in terms of comparison. And I understand that, you know, influencers such as book influencers on TikTok are helpful to sort of like guide you to the things that you might find interesting. So I'm not saying we should abandon the concept altogether. And there are, for example, I've seen a couple of like um, book tubers or book talkers, whatever, uh, who, for example, champion forgotten classics. That's how I've learned about, for example, Nella Larson is because, you know, she she's not really 
included as representative of sort of the Harlem Renaissance and she only wrote two books and they're very good and interesting and so I'm not saying that's you know bad and like all the recommendations are bad but it worries me uh, what books are the most popular what is happening to serve the book not even the book industry because the book industry has always been soulless but sort of the reading industry that it's it's, it's just it, it, it's just marvel you know like it's the same mechanisms and the same attitude that like you know and it's just it's a little bit worrying to me and I feel like a lot of people just like sort of focus either on only the positive element which is that's like the boost uh, in reading and sort of that people are interested in reading again which I or sort of the youth is interested in in reading after we've had a decline for a couple of years so that's good but like you know <laughs> um and then like AI and then an AI writes an enemies to lovers yeah. book and blah well yeah we go down we go down that road um there's I promise this is related <laughs> um there's this wrestler like Brian Danielson and he Brian Brian Danielson he's one of the like greatest wrestlers of all time like he's and he's active now like um he's amazing Brian Danielson and um sometimes he does after events he's part of like press conferences mm-hmm. um and he's made it every time he appears he ma- he's made it an habit of telling people or, or like people just ask him just in general now what are you reading and i like his method for reading a lot because he's always reading three things at the same time fiction nonfiction, and poetry like one of each every um like at the same time like one of each like at the same time and i think that's like that's genius like that's so good like you diversify yourself so much and i think that should be a method adopted by all these book influencers that read so much already like I... i feel like that's a cute challenge i mean i do think that's a cute challenge but also i don't If like, you know, like you don't like it shouldn't be that. That's why I have like gamified. Mixed feel- yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I have mixed feelings about like the reading challenge on good uh, the the reading challenge on Goodreads. Mm-hmm. And one thing it does serve like motivate you to sort of be slightly more consistent with your reading. On the other hand, you know, there are books. There are many books that you should take your time with. And I feel like sort of now we have this. Or sometimes it's good to like have a period when you don't read and expose yourself to different forms of art because then it sort of makes your reading experience more informed in some ways. And it's just like I'm not saying that it's bad and I also wish I was reading a little bit more but at the same time what I find in myself is like when I push myself to just like oh I have to like read you know, two books a week or whatever, then I'm not really reading any of those because I'm not yeah. sort of putting in the care and attention to have the good faith relationship with the author. I'm just sort of like, you know, speeding through it, which is why, again, I feel like that's why these very formulaic, um, you know, um, books that are very popular in book talk are so popular because if you're very familiar with the f- formula, you can speed for something because like you already recognize every single beat, right? And like, there's nothing, 
you know, you don't have to pay attention to what the author is doing because you already have a preconception of what the author will be doing uh, with the thing. Um, yeah, that's that's I guess what I what I think. Yeah, yeah, and um, you know, it's it's a double-edged sword with like this yeah. gamifying stuff because it can like draw people to just read more, and it's like, yeah. um, I don't know. I can think of like the letterbox becoming so popular within the past like couple of years and i've been on letterbox since 2015 like it was nothing when i hopped on there mm -hmm. um and seeing it become like kind of a little bit of a phenomenon is wild because like it is really cool to see the same sort of like um I don't know, excitement around discovering new things in a social media platform and having like it being developed in a way that being letterboxed that is so easy to use and so easy to discover stuff and interact with people that's really grown a lot from the, since the beginning. Um, oh, no, for sure, like I, you know, Goodreads is a garbage site, but like mm, yeah, one absolutely. of the reasons one of the reasons why I'm still on it is because like a lot of my reader friends are on it, and so one of the things that like actually like makes me excited to read again is to see what other people are reading and like discover something new. So like I'm not saying you know there shouldn't be mm -hmm. like any book or reading related media, but I feel like we should be slightly more critical towards certain. Trends. Yeah, of yeah. course, of course. It's um, yeah, it's, and you know, having worked in a bookstore and everything, like I know what, like the type of stuff that. Gets... It's so funny because I worked in an art house cinema and you worked in a bookstore, and like you'd yeah. think if you met yeah, through us, it's it true. would be the, the, yeah. the reverse. And um, I, honestly, what worries me the most is not teenage girls reading like shitty formulaic uh, romance no, novels I, mean, I no, think no. what worries me the most is like the the absolute garbage toxic non-fiction that gets popular these days that's what makes me worried no that's i mean like i i, I don't want it to sound like i'm shitting mm -hmm. on teenage girls like i've yeah, been yeah, yeah. that teenage girl i've yeah. read I, I i was i do think i had like slightly bit better teenage literature when i was a teenager because i was like you know the height of the dystopian over from the government love triangle right you know trilogy era so like but yeah. they were also they were form formulaic as well like i'm not gonna pretend i was otherwise yeah. i mean so I, I sorry I, I i like i i remember like i was obviously we were the same age so we were yeah. both around that era and i obviously didn't read much as you but I dabbled in that, and I read the Hunger Games trilogy, and I think I remember thinking Hunger it was Games. Good. No, I, it, I think I it was like, good, right? Yeah, no, yeah. I think it holds up. Like uh, I think it's sort of. I, I do think if like something should be remembered from that time is the Hunger Games trilogy, the Hunger Games trilogy, both the books, and I do think films as well. Like it, yeah. I, I think it sort of it in many ways it was the best, what the genre had to offer, mm -hmm. and I and think then, mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, but then I also remember <laughs> reading uh, the first Divergent book, and I'm oh like, "Yep, God. there we go. There it is. There and, like, it is." I the, the 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 first one I was able to like get through, and it was like okay. But like I like I, I tried to read the second one. I think it was, it's called Insurgent, and like I gave up after fifty pages. It was, it was like resurgent, and 
uh, a, uh, a surgeon or whatever. No, it was like divergent, insurgent. And then the last one was, oh, oh my God, it's snowing. Sorry. And the snowing? Last... Oh, yeah. Damn. I mean, it already snowed a little bit um, during the night. Like there's snow on the on the roofs of the like neighboring houses, but it's like it's snowing now during the day. And I think like uh, this week is going to be very cold from what I've seen, like minus seven during the night and like around one during the day. So nor- Northern Europe. Uh, <laughs> um, what was I saying? Oh yeah, and the, yeah, and the last one I think was called Alliance or Allegiance. Allegiance. I just, I just yeah. remember it was like orange, very aggressive. Yeah, orange. it was very orange. Also, it's the funniest thing. I will never like not bring this up whenever anything Divergent related is involved. That they like the third movie flopped so hard that they decided to release the fourth one only on TV, and it was never even like it, and never ended up being made. Like, however, it's, it's so, like, just a colossal failure to me. However, we should give credit where credit is due. Haim wrote a beautiful song for the soundtrack for the second film. Like, it's... Wait, it's, what? Yeah, um, I think it's, like, Holes in the Sky. It's so ethereal. It's, like, it's it, it's so good. What? They got the, <laughs> the paycheck, I they guess. They got the paycheck, yeah. They were, like... But commissioning uh indie pop bands like crazy for these kinds of movies true like you know something you know a, a lot of things went wrong but a lot of things went right with those films and the things that always i i feel like that's one of the most annoying things to me about the after films is that like you i you know i don't need those films to be good but like you should be true to the genre you come from. You should have a banging soundtrack. Whereas the music there, with notable exceptions, sounds yes. like shopping mall music. <laughs> no. Okay, like, obviously one of my... I actually took extensive notes during this. Because I'm, I'm making it more of a habit, like, taking extensive notes of every movie I've watched. And I'm like... With... With After One, absolutely. Then all of a sudden... After two being the superior movie in every sense. Yeah. Like there is a Sufjan Stevens song, like just like sprinkled in the middle. No, 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 no. I, I'll always remember. I I was watching this. I was watching after we collided, at, um, for the second time at Logan's house when I was one time when I was in when I was in Glasgow and we were watching it through Zoom with Logan's girlfriend Jillian. And when that song came on, I just remember Jillian, like, in her little, like, window on Zoom, like, getting up in her bed and started twerking to <laughs> Should Have Known Better by Sufjan Stevens while Hardin Scott was all sad. And, like, I'll never forget that. It's so funny as well, because, like, as this song is playing in the film, there's, like, a moment where Hardin Scott is, like, in his, like, um, headphones has, like, some, like, heavy metal, like, some, like, I don't know, metalcore music, and you can hear the metalcore music from the headphones, and Sufjan still is going on. It's, like, make him listen to Sufjan. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, Hardin strikes me as the type of guy that, honestly, like, he's such a, like, a little bitch, obviously, but, like, Hardin would be the kind of like toxic soft boy guy to have actual good taste as well true so before we jump jump into after and after we collided uh, i just want to sort of briefly bye bye uh 
I just want oh, to just yeah, sorry, briefly... that's my no, it's okay. Um, I just want to sort of briefly, uh, because we got sort of distracted by the Hunger Games. Like, I don't have a problem with teenage girls. Like, you read whatever you want, honey. Like, I, I shall don't not have fully a problem said, with teenage girls. I don't have a problem with teenage problem. girls. I do have a problem with adult content creators that are just like. The, the same way I have a problem, like, I don't have, a, like, necessary problem with, like, children or teenagers who are into Marvel. Like, yeah, have have fun. Like, enjoy those who are, like, you know, this, like, amusement park of a film. I do have a huge problem with, sort of, like, people promoting those films and, like, people just, the soullessness of just, like, making more and more money, like, chunking more and, like, uh, churning more and more product. That's, that's... Oh, I hate it. Like, I'm not... Yeah, exactly. Like, why police a teenager's taste? I had also shit taste as a teenager. And it's I retained a lot the of the same. Mm -hmm. It's part of the development. You, you're 15. You should re read shitty things. And, you know, I... Yeah. No. Like, it it's was... like... I have retained a lot of the same taste, and I also think that's part of it now. But I mean, I look back and like my sensibilities are much different, and I don't think we should begrudge anyone for like their taste as a teenager. Like their brains are, yeah, exactly. Like their brains are developing. Yeah, and but so the, the first what, time, hmm. oh, sorry, sorry, sorry to cut in, but it's also sort of kind of the first time where you're exploring the idea that you can have a taste or interest separate from like your your you know family interests or sort of like I don't know the books you're family members are buying you like the books the school is asking you to read like when 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 you are a tween and a teenager that's sort of the, the first moment when you're like actually I have like a little bit of my own money I have you know access to internet I can find things that are interesting just to me and I, you know I don't I don't think like I would necessarily enjoy a lot of the books I enjoyed as a teenager now but at the same time you know at that moment, I was the target audience for those books. I'm no longer the target audience for those books. And, like, it's 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 okay. Like, you don't have to demonize your past taste. Mm -hmm. Or, like, even worse, like, shit on teenagers online that they have shit taste. No, just, like, allow them to be at the stage of, you know, the, the, the development of their own, like, sense and style. Like, there are certain things, you know, that a lot of people find cringe that I liked as a teenager and I liked... Like till this day, notably rom coms, notably enemies to lovers. Like I, you know, and it's fine. It's fine. What it's not fine is sort of these huge ass publishing houses just, you know, turning. I mean, books have always been a product, but it's just it's so insidious now, and it's just so mm -hmm. <laughs> disgusting. Yeah. Thing. Um. Sorry. <laughs> uh. Shit. What was I gonna say? Wait. Hold on. <laughs> Damn, this is something I'm going to have to edit. Shit. Fuck. <laughs> uh... No, I will have to oh, yeah, do yeah, my yeah. job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, oh, yeah, but, like, what truly annoys me with books and movies are these actual adults making content. And, like, I can never tell. First of all, I can never tell if they're being genuine or not, if they're just making content to, like, pander to teenagers, or if they genuinely recommend that stuff but it's never for like actual genuine reasons it's all like with movies you have these like adults that are like still with talking points right like oh but like you say you want you know 
actual cinemax studios but they don't make any money or they they are only like three hours long and they're slow and boring and then like with books it's like you don't have to read all the classics like all your boring but teachers have to say you can just read your fun ya books because i'm a cool 28 year old uh, and and you like should watch my content like shut up you absolute like manchild grifter like True. shut up it's it's just also it's like whenever i like meet a person even our age not even to, oh my god this thing is very nice sorry it's like this was like very big chunky flakes and they're like slowly falling it's very cute anyway sorry is it sorry <laughs> Uh, no, no, no. Whenever it snows, it's like you have like those like very white black clouds. So it's like yeah, it's very yeah, bright, yeah. but you don't have any sun. I actually really like because it's kind of cold here. Not you know really super cold, obviously, but mm -hmm. like I like it when, especially November, when it's kind of getting colder, but it's also sunny. It's like when I like mm -hmm. the sun. It's like oh, yeah, November no, I, sun. I, I, nice. I, I love the sun in like autumn and winter because then you can actually fucking enjoy it because it's yeah cold. like it yeah it just like boom like yes, yeah it's 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 nice yeah yeah um what was i gonna say before the snow um yeah like even like people our age like if you read i don't know ya from time to time i feel like oh that's fine you know sometimes you just want to eat some eat something just sometimes you just want to eat someone out uh sorry <laughs> <laughs> sorry because i have like after in front of me so i was like thinking about erotica sorry uh you can cut that out as well no um, that was good <laughs> um sometimes you just want to read something that's like very escapist and i also sometimes just want to read something that i would read in middle school middle school and high school for like nostalgia just like in this so like i don't think it's I don't think you should only sort of read things that are quote unquote meant for your age group. Like it's it's fine to like mm, read yeah, yeah. things that are sort of targeted for children from time to time. Yeah. I do find it slightly red flaggish, um, especially with girls. Like if you meet someone who's like twenty five or twenty six and they only read YA still. Yeah, that's like yeah. you know you can read YA and it's cool to have like a wide, you know it's fine to be an adult of any age and want to keep up with the kids stuff or like you know yeah keep up with what the kids are reading and like still enjoying some YA from time to time you know it's just obviously fine for adults to watch like animated movies and you know stuff yeah, for kids like it's it, perfectly fine it's it, yeah it is definitely a red flag when all you do is read YA as a, a, an adult because like what does that say about you tells me you'd like you never grew up you never got your own tastes like you never developed your own tastes or as like an you, adult you but also you sort of you didn't develop your emotional intelligence to the point where sort of you don't get the same level of just like satisfaction from reading YA I mean like you know YA can obviously be very complex and, and rich but most of it isn't partly because it's targeted to teenagers who don't have as developed sort of sense of you know emotional intelligence mm -hmm. or emotional maturity which is fine but like if you're you know if you're a person our age and like for example if i read like a, a ya book or like a ya series afterwards i'm like okay that was nice but like i want to like read something with like actual emotional or intellectual gravitas now like you you have like yeah 
certain new needs that you didn't have as teenager and like the same content will not uh, um, satisfy those needs, right? And, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, I do think that that's normal and, it, you know, it doesn't mean that YA is shit. It's, it's, it's the same thing when you have like Disney adults, you know, it's one thing to be like, oh, mm -hmm. there's a new Pixar movie or there's a new Disney film. I will check it out, even though I'm not the target audience. Yeah. And the other thing is Disney adults. <laughs> yeah, like it's uh, I, 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 I never want to police anyone for what they watch. But it's like on a on a personal level, I, I like I don't really want to associate with you that much if mm -hmm. like just on a being on the same wavelength kind of thing. Yeah, it's just, you know, I'm not saying it's necessarily wrong or bad, but it's exactly like you said, that's like sort of like, it, it gives me like a little bit of an ick. Yeah, 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 yeah. And like, for example, like, I don't know, you, like, if you want to, if you're, for example, like, just to use an example from things that we like, like, if you are a giant Swifty and you've been since you're a kid and since you've been a teenager, but all you listen to is like Taylor Swift or all you listen to is like ours of the same in the type, same type of sphere. I mean, you know, like yeah. even though we join you the same thing, I don't think we're the same type of True. person. Like, That's why yeah. I, I kind of don't like identifying myself with a, as a Swifty. It, because I like to me a Swifty is like those like hardcore fans that like only listen to Taylor that like you know say shit like Taylor Swift is the music industry like yeah yeah the, you know the, 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 the stands and it's like yeah like, if and you're standing that hard at 25 plus uh, you yeah know. And, and the thing is also you know I uh, yeah and it can sometimes like turn you off certain things that you do enjoy because like everybody's just so fucking intense about it and you're kind of like oh, okay that's not a space for me that's why it's sort of like what i enjoy about um sort of this new peak in taylor swift's career after folklore and evermore is that you have a lot of casual fans now like a lot of ca casual fans that will mm -hmm. tune in they sort of know a little bit about the lore and you know they um you know, they, they know more than the singles, but they still, you know, they aren't writing fan fiction about her and like the, mm -hmm. the Travis Kelsey, right? So, <laughs> because yeah, like, yeah, that's yeah. also like with, with, oh my God, it's so cute. I'm sorry. It's like, it's very, uh, <laughs> it's very I don't know if, if I move my, if you'll be able to see. No, no. I just see like a, a giant black, oh, not black, white, like. <laughs> white, yeah. It's, it's very like ethereal. It's very like, <laughs> um, angelical it's just white i just see a white sort of True. Um, i mean background. yeah just like white i mean that you know i as any person i think from sort of central north europe will tell you snow isn't fun because it's just like if it stays it's very inconvenient for a lot of things like it just makes makes a lot of things a lot harder and also makes a lot of things like a lot more dangerous like just like for example walking down the pavement that's like iced and like no one bothered to like pull like put like pour um throw salt on it or like throw throw sand on it so people don't like you know slip mm -hmm. so it's very inconvenient in many ways however it's so pretty when it snows <laughs> coming mm -hmm. back to what we were saying like it's not really about policing tastes because like you know who has the time and energy for that however uh, there are certain things that could be considered a red flag. And to finally, you know, move to the topic of today's episode, I do think 
people who aren't teenage girls who are really into after um would give me the ick yeah it's it's not even the thing of like if you're not a teenage girl and you enjoy for example YA fantasy series I'm like all right okay yeah you may be you know like we may not be on the same wavelength all the time but you know that's fine if you're not a teenage girl and you are earnestly like fanatical about after there's listen there's something wrong with you I'm sorry <laughs> like just you know I don't know I don't know what to tell you yeah no but it's also and here we are making a whole podcast about this and so maybe we're the problem I don't know you know what we probably are we probably are however I do think that especially the first after and I I do mean it in a like I'm very sincere when I'm saying I do think it's a very important film for a couple of reasons <laughs> no, no I'm laughing because I agree <laughs> for me, like for a couple of reasons because like it it it, it began like so many new eras in sort of specifically content targeted for teenage girls but also targeted to like it's just it, it's it's the origin of so many things that I do think for the like next decade at least will be very visible in our culture first of all mm-hmm. Wattpad films like films that are uh you know uh, adaptations of Wattpad fan fiction there's like what well, after it came out in 2019 so not even five years ago, and there's already like a whole subgenre which is just like what but fun fiction films, and then not just in English. It's like it you have those in Spanish. I'm pretty sure like we are probably like a year away from like Brazilians jumping on uh, on that <laughs> on that bandwagon. Like it's you know it, it, it's a thing, and what but studio is also a thing, and they they are producing a lot of content and content which is watched it's not like some obscure thing and it, it is it is out there and people are watching it so that's one thing the other thing um are you aware of the new Anne Hathaway film I only know about Eileen which is I'm sure which is like no, not, not what you're talking about. I'm not talking about this one. I'm talking about a film uh, which will probably come out next year. The title is The Idea of You. And The Idea of You. The Idea of You and The Idea of You is um uh, is a film about a middle-aged woman whose teenage daughter is like really into this one singer and they go into like they go to his concert and like the singer notices her so what it is another harry styles fan fiction film so like we are slowly entering like the point in reality where based off a harry styles fan fiction becomes a subgenre of romance films wait no but this is like actually kind of compelling so we have ya but for moms yes because i think that's like another thing with harry styles fan fiction is that like it had like two very big factions Uh, it had 14 year old girls fantasies which is you know perfectly embodied by after like this idea of Mm -hmm. you know being pure virginal and like this is like you know, you want true love and like you have 
in, in those reiterations, Harry Styles is usually quite violent, which is also like such a staple of Wattpad. It's just like so, so blatantly oh. romanticizing domestic abuse behavior. Uh, as you know, masculine, and then like you have the other faction, which is the you know because Harry Styles historically has dated people who are, are older than him, sometimes very very much. So I feel like he was like twenty and was dating a woman in, in her forties or thirties, but like you know it it was also quite Wait, a who? Uh, like a like a like a judge from uh, X Factor. Really? Okay, yeah. I know that. Yeah. I only know about Taylor. I only know about uh Olivia Wilde. Who is also quite quite like um, Yeah, yeah, it's true. That's old, true. Old, older than him. Like, you know, um, not to say that, you know, I think that that relationship was not okay, but like I feel like now he's dating uh Taylor Russell, and this is like the first partner from my knowledge of these, and I've never been like a, you know, really that into One Direction or Harry Styles, so like I, I, I don't have like a back catalog of like their dating, <laughs> their dating history. Uh, but I feel like that's his first, at least, public partner who is the same age as him. Like he, he uh, always okay. dated older. Yeah. And so like you have another faction of like Harry Styles fan fiction on Wattpad, which is targeted for like you know middle-aged women usually stay-at-home moms to have like this hot fantasy of a younger guy who like prefers the mature woman over over their teenage teenage daughter and sure uh, sure and it's just uh, it's 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 bizarre to me on so many levels you know because right the idea so like this movie so in this movie and hathaway or in this book i guess it's it's a it's a book already is it? I mean, no, it was it, so it, it's a typical pipeline. You have the fan fiction, which uses the name Harry Styles. Then the fan fiction gets very popular. So oh, the publisher sure, is sure. like, easy, like easy money. They take the fan fiction. They change the name. I think here Harry Styles is Hayes Campbell. They change the name. They essentially publish Hayes the book with, Campbell. without any. It, it's Burden Harden, but everything is Burden Harden. Yeah. Um, they publish the book essentially without any editing other than the name change. Then the book. Because the fanfiction is so popular, the book is also very popular because a lot of girls mm-hmm. are a lot of people who read the fanfiction and really liked it. They want to have the physical copy of that, you know, fanfiction mm-hmm. that they really like. And so then they were like, oh, easy money, you know. And I mean, yeah, so I, I was I was thinking like when you were first talking about the plot, I'm like, OK, that's kind of cute. So it's like a YA plot, but it's like between adults. But then I realized, wait a minute. So the singer is supposed to be much younger. So it's, it's still literally like the YA because you have a young adult, you know, character, but with uh, this sort of like uh, single or divorced 40 year old mom. Mm. Oh, I didn't know this one. This is this is interesting. I'm more into this than than like. Um, a million afters or after knockoffs, but no, I, I, yeah. I do, I do think that that is slightly more interesting. Uh, however, I, you know, Harry Styles obviously very rich, very successful person. We, he doesn't need our pity, but like I feel like if I were him, I like that would be something that would I'd feel very uneasy about. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, there's, you know, I mean, he's he's probably 
he's probably had has he's probably found like a coping mechanism for it or, True, or but something it's but, just like you know I, yeah. I feel like and that's Yikes. like another thing that that's one of the things i really didn't like about like season first of euphoria when you have like the cat um like the episode that focuses on on cat and obviously you have like this like a big part of her backstory is that she was on tumblr and she ran like a very popular Oh, blog where she posted Larry right. fanfiction and you had very graphic like animation of like the fanfiction that she was writing and you know I understand mm-hmm. that sort of real like real life people fanfiction is a huge part of Tumblr and that specific specific vein of internet that they're portraying but it's just I feel like it's just so like already like fanfiction about re- real people is like slightly disgusting to me but like when teenagers do that i'm like okay like you you hopefully you will grow and you learn but like it's just it is it's 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 so invasive and it's just it's it, it's also like usually those fanfictions are like portray these people as just like horrible people it, and it's and with, oh, yeah. for example with euphoria you know, just just make her obsessed about this deal. Like it's a very similar thing. It's like it's 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 it, it would give the audience the exact same message, but at the same time, you wouldn't sort of treat real life people as just yeah. har- characters you can yeah. play with. And yeah. that's why, for example, you know, Fifty Shades of Grey. Um, you know, not 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 my favorite films by any means, but like I prefer if we invested a lot more into like fun fiction. Uh, like you know about fiction whereas like i with Wattpad, you have this like you know um pivot of like studios interest into exploiting fan fiction about real people and real people who are very much alive and will know about that shit like it's just and it's and you know it's just it's it's a little bit disgusting <laughs> to me it's it's a bit str- like i i don't want to argue like occupy too much time with this like i i mean I, on the surface, like on a moral level, I agree with you with the euphoria thing. On the second hand, I do think it's one of the bits of provocation in euphoria that actually does work because like it is I mean, you know, obviously provocative, but it is like it's, you could have a lot given of the stuff them, that. Sorry, just with euphoria, like I feel like if you've given them a warning, if you've told them like ahead of time, hey, we want to include that, like, you know, we just you know, will that trigger something, you know, or whatever, like, just, like, treat those people, like, but no, it's like, oh, it was on the internet, you guys are internet, we can do whatever the fuck we want, like, I feel like I would feel less icky about euphoria if, you know, uh, Louis Thompson, like, didn't, like, openly say, like, yeah, like, they didn't even ask. Yeah, 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 sure, sure, it's, it's just, like, you know, because euphoria is about, like, portraying these teenagers as very, like, troubled and sometimes very, um, like, morally dubious and problematic people because they're you know stunted in their growth for various reasons and like yeah it would make sense to include this in the show you know it's it's what it is mm-hmm. but yeah uh I, I was just laughing because i was because that's like huge uh connie west taylor swift beef vibes to me uh anyway uh it's, we're going no. oh man we're going so off track but also <laughs> like just 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 like okay yeah because the these after because like we're doing this after journey and I feel like this is the kind of series that warrants like a, po- a separate podcast all of its own because there's like it's like a culmination of sorts. So because yeah. like because like we've mentioned after like probably like, every three episodes we mentioned after it's just like, so many no. topics are like that we talk about 
are directly related to after. There's mm -hmm. so much before after culturally that we need to talk about <clears throat> celebrity culture, YA and all that. And so much after after that we also have to talk about with uh, with the Wattpad fan fiction that you're mentioning and all that. So there's a lot. Yeah. So to the three people that are listening to this, Beverly, <laughs> like there's a lot. Um, but yeah, about that subgenre of Wattpad films, it's so interesting to me because it's like they are watched. There's an audience for it, but it's not like the YA boom, like Twilight or Hunger Games, where they are the biggest movies. Not by a long shot. These things are barely released in theaters, go straight to streaming or go straight to VOD. Like, these are not high-budget movies at mm -hmm. all. On the contrary, they barely have licensed music. They use, like, mall music or supermarket music. They don't use big-name actors. Like, it's a niche thing. It's small, but not really because they still make money. It's like a corner of the film industry that doesn't get talked about enough because it's, like, so much... Because it's not mainstream, but it is. Mm -hmm. It's so strange. Like, there's not a culture around watching these movies, but there is. It's, like, very strange. And it's, like, I, I do think the thing you're saying about after being an important film is true. Because it's kind of, a, like, it's kind of spawning so many, like, algorithm-bait streaming platform shit that's, like out there in the cloud ready to be consumed and it's like a trend that a lot of people just ignore like people either talk about a24 or older directors making their last works or marvel or whatever but this stuff doesn't get mentioned it's just like it there in its own corner and it's like it's very weird it's it, it's very interesting to me because in many ways after it's just like a natural to me like films like after or sort of what you know what after is you know it like in a weird way success that sort of no one noticed sort of led to sort of um this kind of new era of hallmark films in many ways like, yeah because... it's like the new tv movie yeah um it's it's so it's so weird because and 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 even the um, the Fifty Shades of Grey movies they have big name actors they have big budgets you can tell and they by were the way that they're made they were also very cinematic in a sense like you mm -hmm. were supposed to watch those films in cinema and like sort of part of the appeal was that like you could watch a dirty film in cinema again you know like yeah yeah, yeah. it's like you, you those films are have noticeably big budgets and like high production value um after it does not it's very much like and you know a small independent film-ish type budget like how much did after cost like, like I mean, especially the sequels like my god so you know? the first after was the budget was 14 million and see after that's we... like yeah that's, that's an independent like film an... yeah an independent film in American standards, like, and, for and, sure. Uh, the sequel, I mean, and use the sequel that we'll be talking about today. So after we collided, mm -hmm. also only 14 million. Yeah, yeah. Like, these are 
cheap to make and they make money not even directly but like they make money because streaming platforms and VOD platforms give them money I'm not quite so sure how these things work anymore true but, but I guess, yeah, yeah. It, it, one of the things I want to talk about, um, have you noticed uh, that in the sequel, after we collided, there was like a very small, smart product placement for Victoria's Secret? Oh, so much product placement. <laughs> no, Did but you like, notice the Uber product placement? I mean, the Uber product placement was very on the nose, but I do think that with the Victoria's Secret one, it was like, I was like, okay, that's like smart. Because essentially, mm-hmm. Tessa, like every scene, every single scene where sort of they are engaging in sex she has Victoria's Secret underwear on. So, like, obviously, like, you have focus on the underwear or sort of on the band of the underwear because, for example, you know, Harden is, like, slipping in his finger fingers to sort of, like, finger her. And it's, like, so, like, it's not so much on the nose. And so I was, like, okay, that's a good product placement because, like, it, it's, you know, of course you see the underwear, right? Because you're not going to f- show her vagina. It's supposed to be feature mm-hmm. 13, so... <laughs> Um, anyway. Yeah. I the production of these movies, the production side of these movies, it's like its own monster. It's like so strange, like such a such a little pocket of the industry that is not really all that talked about. And like but even is Wattpad, it's like a, a giant corporation based on user-generated content that also turns into not user-generated content. It's so bizarre. It's just so... I feel like after is... Other than, you know, all of the terrible Netflix Christmas films that we've watched at the very beginning of our journey with, like, watching shit films together during the, like, early days of the pandemic, there's just something so plastic about those films. Like, you watch it and it's, like, artificial. Like, it's not even trying to be real, but at the same time, it's, like, it's plastic the same way when you go, when you buy something from Sheen. That's, like, the same. It's not, like, it's not even, like, mm-hmm. plastic because it's trying to, like, be fun with plasticity and sort of, like, cheapness. It's just, like, you buy a sweater for $10 and you get it and you can tell that it's a sweater for $10. Like, and you can really be mad because that's what you were, you know, what you were ordering. That's what you asked mm-hmm. for at the same time it's still like there's something very cheap and just callous in in both in in these films and a, th- a thing that i have that makes me sad about this series is that obviously we have two actors the only two actors that are in every single film which is josephine langford and hero finn's tiffin and hero finn I you Fiend? know there's a debate over the the pronunciation of Fien or Fine. I I I I I I I'll call it. Let's call it. Listen, I don't know. or Fine Tiffin. I, I I'll call it Fine Tiffin. I've I've heard Ralph Fine, so I'll call it Fine okay, Tiffin. Okay, okay, Hero Fine Tiffin. I don't respect him enough to check. Uh, <laughs> it makes me so sad because in the preparation for this episode, I was like checking both of their IMDb sites. And Jennifer Josephine is getting barely any work, and he's like in five projects to be released. And it's just, it just makes me so sad because she's like, you know, she, she's giving crap material, but like there are moments where she's just like, she, she has such a good comedic timing. She like, 
I don't know. It just it makes me sad because like I feel like like these films were supposed to be like here sort of like you know sort of kissing booth situation like with Jacob mm. Lordy's like oh I'm gonna do these things just to like get my name out there and then I'm gonna like move on to better things and I feel mm-hmm. like she's just sort of stuck in the badlands which is sad because I, I do think she's I don't know I enjoy her screen presence uh, I yeah. Don't yeah 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 like rewatching I mean god it's so embarrassing how many times I've seen this <laughs> and, and I can get in why you know that's a whole can of worms but like the thing about these movies and rewatching them, I, I've, I've, at this point, I'm kind of endeared to even both their screen presence. No matter, no, like, no matter how like embarrassing Hero Fine Tiffin is, sometimes, like, I'm kind of endeared to them. And I really do think if there's anything, you know, positive about these movies, um, genuinely, is I think um, Josephine Langford especially is really like actively trying in the first two ones at least then, then she just yeah gave up yeah, obviously gave up, yeah. um but like she's actively trying to imbue some humanity into tessa i feel like in just little details in her performance i can't believe i've seen these things enough to notice the little details in her performance but it's just true like i can i can tell there's something there um and she's trying to get her name out there it's also very interesting how in the kissing booth which listen i'll argue kissing booth is worse than after to me it is yeah it's it's yeah and like after mm -hmm. one is just too like i I, this was the first time i was rewatching it and it was just just as boring this time as it was the first the first time but i do feel like with after two so after we collided if they stuck to that direction like the series could have been just like so absurd, so we so like ridiculously paced. They could have been fun. Like after two, like I was a little bit afraid that like this time around I wouldn't find it as funny. It's still as funny. Like you laugh so, so much. I don't give a shit. It's so good. I have such a ball watching after two. Whereas the kissing booth, I've only seen it once. I I, I don't I, like I've only seen like the first two. I haven't seen the third one, and it, it was just. It was torture. I never want to see those films again. <laughs> uh, I had a good time watching Kissing Booth 3 because, like, I was off the um, the first dose of the COVID vaccine and I was okay. genuinely high. Like, I was genuinely high. I felt genuinely high watching the third Kissing Booth movie that I ended up having, like, a good time. But, like, those movies are so much worse than after. Like, I, I feel confident in saying this. They are... Like, I, I think, like, sister movies, like, or sister franchises, they both represent the same thing at around the same time. Mm-hmm. This sort of, like, algorithmization, streaming, Wattpad nonsense, plastic bullshit. But, like, Kissing Booth is so much more annoying than after. It's also so crass. Like, there's so many, like, fart jokes in the Kissing Booth and then just, like, disgusting right. things that they Somehow, do. Somehow... Somehow after is more adult. And yeah. I don't mean it in the sex sense. I mean it like mature wise, which I can't believe I'm using <laughs> this adjective to describe after, but it's true. Like kissing booth feels like it's for kids, but obviously not for kids. It's so strange. The tone of the kissing booth movies is a mess. It's like I find it interesting how 
both Joey King and Jacob Elordi are both becoming stars. Like they are in big projects. Jacob Elordi is working with a lot of, um, you know, auteurs and like working with a lot of like he just did a movie with fucking Paul Schrader. Like, come on. Um, and Joey King is in big movies. So they are like, I can't believe this, but the kissing booth people are becoming stars. Meanwhile, Josephine Langford, who I'd argue is actively trying and to be good in these movies in a way that Jacob and Joey King aren't. And she's not getting as much. I, I mean, I didn't see this movie. I think you did. It's like the other oh, yeah, Zoe. So. She's in it, that, right? She's, I mean, you know, it's a formula like rom-com, so there's not much for her to do there. But she, like for a role that could easily be like very annoying and like ironic, like, oh, I don't believe in love. Like she's so human and relatable in that film. And like she does so many like just like cute like little things that just sort of show that you know her character is becoming like like more and more comfortable with her love interests and sort of like that she's like sort of softened like for a, a character that's like very unbelievable and a film that's very unbelievable she's very believable in it and like you just and you care for her and you enjoy her and it's just it it, it, it it's so sad to me because like Listen, I'm on the IMDb page of Hero, and he has eight upcoming projects, and Josephine has zero. And I feel like it's so unfair that she got the like short end of the stick, because if there's like one person that would say, like, oh, they do have talent in those films, it's her. And I feel like she's going to get buried with Wattpad Studios. Yeah, uh, Hero Fine Tiffin also has the benefit of being, like... A, a nepo baby. A nepotism baby. Yeah. Um... Yeah. Also, I I was trying to like look her up. I genuinely cannot find Josephine Langford on social media. I do think like, she's not. I don't think she's. Yeah. Oh, I feel like if I were Josephine Langford or if I were on her team, what I would like um suggest to her as a good move given that she doesn't have like a big online presence to like move back to Australia and work with Australian authors, like similar to sort of what um, Emily Browning is doing, for example, just like go back to Australia and like work in, you know, there, not in the sense that like go back to Australia, we don't want you in America, but like America is clearly not serving her and they don't see her talent. So like go, go where, like, I don't know. This is also like so strange because like she is, she like her face is so associated with a series like I, I understand why a lot of like authors wouldn't like you know and why would they give her a chance if like she's only been in those kind of films right but it's just like I don't know yeah, get her on the first it's season strange, of Euphoria like, I don't know yeah she genuinely does not have any social media presence she she doesn't say shit about these movies meanwhile I'm, I'm I mean I don't think uh Hero Fine Tiffin is particularly big on social media either but i'm on his instagram and this he produced you know, as well like movies free to right. fight from that franchise so like he's a lot more, and also like the last movie josephine's barely in it oh yeah that, that's the whole thing that's gonna be discovered by us when we watch it eventually but like yeah i mean this still screams uh pr people writing this but like he wrote a post when after everything came out like saying you know 
Thank you for creating after. Thank you to everyone who worked on it. Thank you to Josephine Langford. You know, I'm I'm grateful for this chapter of my life. The shit like that. I mean, at least he posts about his project. Like Josephine yeah. Langford just doesn't. Which I mean, respect. Don't go don't call on social media especially if you're in this type of movie good lord that must be bad for you especially if you're a woman yeah um but yeah it's uh i i kind of want just feel like her to get more work i think she's more talented than her sister which i, I think so as well like i don't i've seen all i've seen her older sister so katherine langford only in 13 reasons why and yeah that's the only thing that i've like seen her in because like i know that she's been a couple of other projects that i just you know been on my radar but i didn't watch like the um love simon and um she's not good in love simon she's just very like that's the thing sort of like both katherine langford and josephine langford and their two biggest projects so 13 reasons why and after they both are given very annoying characters josephine mm-hmm. at least in the first two movies even though you can recognize that her character is written in like as a, a very annoying person, you enjoy her in those films. Like you enjoy, like she, she feels human. She feels real. Catherine Langford, as um, what's her face? Uh, I want to say Hannah, Kate? Hannah, Hannah Baker. Hannah Baker. Hannah Baker. Yes, she's so fucking annoying. They're like by the time spoilers for Thirteen Reasons Why if you haven't seen it, um, when she gets raped, I'm kind of like. Well, <laughs> you <No>! know, <laughs> you know, uh... <laughs> no, but you know what I mean? Like throughout yeah, yeah. the whole season, because like, first of all, the character is like r- written in a very sort of whiny way, but also because her performance is just so whiny, like, even though like what you're seeing is sad and traumatic, I don't really feel bad for the character. I feel bad for myself that I had to see it, you know? Yeah. Uh, I just remember she's also in Knives Out. She was okay. I mean, she's she very Yeah, there. she's fine. But, you know, I don't know. Like, I I think Josephine Langford, I, you know, she comes across as likable. Like, she is not on social media, she which is a smart seems... thing to do. True. Uh, and she also comes across as having good work ethic. Yeah, I, I, I think she gives me good vibes. I don't know what yeah. to tell you. Like, she seems cool. Um... This is a pro Josephine Langford podcast. I do, I do think she's a podcast hero. I, I would go. I, yeah, as far. I'd, I'd say, I'd say so. Yeah, I think she, she's in the conversation. Uh, uh, let me look up Hero Fine Tiffin on INDB. See what he's up to. I've, I didn't see the Woman King, but I did see the clip where he is <laughs> speaking Portuguese in the Woman King, and I did not understand a single word he was saying. Which is so. Because given the fact that he's essentially like a British aristocratic, for sure he spent like a bunch of summers in Algarve. So like you spent so much fucking time in Portugal. You shot after five in Portugal. Oh my god! And you cannot ask. <laughs> and oh. you cannot ask like a single Portuguese person like, "Hey, what I, is what I'm saying actually understandable?" <laughs> like, listen, I didn't see the whole movie. I didn't, but like I saw one clip, and that was enough. Like, I. What are you talking about? Like, I don't understand the words that are coming out of your mouth. And, like, nah, surely, like, I mean, God, After Five is going to be a treat because, like, I can't even imagine one of these taking place in Lisbon. But, like, anyway, that's going to be dystopian. <laughs> um, yeah, but 
why does this man have such a like a recent connection to Portugal? Also, uh, God, uh, Dylan Sprouse is in the other one. We've talked about Dylan Sprouse and his connection he... to Portugal recently. I don't know it's getting spooky to me. I don't know. What to tell you. <laughs> Dylan Sprouse, but I love him enough to recollect it. He's like that's why it's oh, also yes. when we talked about Beautiful Disaster because he's so well casted and so funny in After We Collided that it's like yeah, it gives yeah. you such a whiplash to see him essentially play Harden with slightly more sense of humor in Beautiful Creature. Right. It's a beautiful yeah. disaster. I beautiful don't disaster. Beautiful disaster. Yeah, which is obviously one of the after knockoffs we talked about before. But there's gonna be yeah. a second one. I don't know. I've sent you a trailer. This is so strange. This is so it's gonna be about their so... like wedding like destination weddings so, like they, they've known each other in beautiful disaster world for like for a month and they're already getting marri- married this is like their destination wedding in some like fucking island and they are trying to like like i don't like what i've gathered from the trailer the plot the plot of that film is essentially like who's gonna have like wilder hen slash stagnite it's it's it, it's so strange it's so, yeah, like, like get that like, get that coin, Dylan, but, like, I feel like also, I don't know, I feel like, again, that's something that we've talked about when you've talked about Beautiful Disaster, is that Dylan Sprouse seems to be a lot more fun in real life, but just chooses garbage projects, for the most part, whereas Cole Sprouse yeah. seems to be slightly more garbagey in real life, but, like, is actively choosing, I think especially now, like, more and more interesting projects, like, he's going to be in the, like, um... Uh, the film written by Diablo, uh, I'm blanking. The, the, the Diablo girl. Cody. Yeah, that Diablo Cody, like uh, Lisa Frankish, Frankenstein or something like that. And mm. like, cool, you know, it doesn't look fan- fantastic, but like he's actively, I guess, trying to do something new and interesting. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, uh, I I I liked I. I like Dylan Sprouse. He just seems like he's fucking around, you know. He's got a bunch of child star money, but yeah. he's got married. He has a a, a, a weird ass science degree. We've talked about. He like, he has a meadery. He he sells mead. Yeah, like he's like you know doing these bullshit movies and tr- getting to travel to Portugal to present them, like just 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 because. Like, I I kind of listen. Good for Dylan Sprouse. Like, no. I feel like that's like the healthiest child star path. And maybe he has skeletons in his closet. I don't know. But what he presents to me, like what he gives off is like a guy who doesn't really give a shit, does what he does to have fun. And he's just going to live his silly little life. Yeah. As, with, you know, with, yeah. The man- with like money and, you know, no, no. I respect I, Dylan Sprouse. I do. I really like Dylan Sprouse. I no, I he, he just he seems cool. And if I had his money and if I were a child star, that's what I would be doing, essentially. Um Yeah, yeah. If I had been a, a child star, I'd a hundred percent be more I I think I'd be more Dylan than Cole because, mm. you know, Paul obviously was huge on Riverdale. He seems like he's too try hard. He's too slightly too pretentious. I, I, I Dylan do. is like investing in his in his little interests, niche interests. Like he got married. Like this is the kind of life I would want to have. 
uh, if I was. I do um, think that sort of call is more pretentious, but I also feel like, I don't know if you've ever checked his, he's a very talented photographer. Like he really calls for us. Yeah, I didn't like know he, that. He did like sh- photo shoots for Vogue, and they're they're very good. Like I, and good so for I, the Sprouse twins. Like they're really like branching out in their interests and stuff. So like it makes sense for me as well that he has like slightly this chip on the, his shoulder. Like oh, I want to prove to the people that I, I am an artist. You know, uh, uh, but also I don't know. I I like them both. Cole Sprouse is sometimes like slightly weird, but also, you know what? I don't think you can sort of be a child star and mm-hmm. be completely normal as an adult. It's a, it's impossible. Like, I don't think, you know, that's just a, nor- a not a normal thing that humans should be doing. Especially since they started children. as babies, not even children. They started as so, babies. Listen, do what you got to do. Um, yeah, I. If I had been a child star and had a bunch of money from that now, I don't know. I'd probably like form a wrestling company, or so, which is something also that Sprouse twins would strike me. I feel like I feel like Dylan Sprouse from... could start a wrestling company down the line. Like, that, like... That's the kind of thing, random thing he'd do, you know? Like, yeah. you know, opens a meadery, invests in Greek yogurt, like whatever. Like, he's. Yeah, I like him. He's also very good in Etheric Light. It's just True. the guy who seems like he's having fun. Uh, uh, just last thing about the Sprouse yeah. brothers. Do you know about camera duels? Camera duels? No. So Cole Sprouse has two um, like Instagram accounts. He has like his normal one where he mostly just posts either about his projects or just sort of his photography. And the other one, which is camera duels, where he takes picture of people that he noticed we're taking a picture of him and then he writes like those very intense like battle-like descriptions about like what the like camera do or like the, the battle who will take the picture first was like so um which is like, i think also like you know um i i can't imagine existing in the world and like on some level be aware that like other people can like at any point in time recognize me and just like take a picture of me without me knowing mm. so I, and i think that sort of this account and sort of what he's doing is like you, he could be like very whiny about it but like he turned it into something funny yeah 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 i those guys like out of the entire um sort of like child star industry thing like those i i like i like their vibes i like what they're doing and i guess like i don't know what to think of hero fine tiffin like he's like his entire presentation is and seems to me entirely pr curated which you know fine you know it's like i don't know what to think of him he's he's a he's a a, a, he's obviously unbelievably wealthy since the moment he was born he's not just like a nepo baby he's like an aristocrat like i feel yeah, like we should i mean his name is hero fine tiffin and it's like he has these like hero beauregard fine tiffin he has like he, he has like um british villain name like british supervillain name True, but he also has a name. You can tell that he like grew up with money because he has a name that like those people knew that he never would have like 
mm-hmm. n- never submitting a CV in his life. You know what I mean? Yeah, he and wrote also, Beauregard, Faulkner, Fine, Tiffany. Like, shut up. But also, like, I, I wonder if you will agree with me because I, I feel like that's potentially controversial. But I feel like we've been gaslit a little bit into thinking that he's good looking. There is, I'm, he's very lanky, yeah. especially in the first film. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying that he's ugly, but like he, he doesn't strike me. Like if he, he feels miscasted is what I'm trying to say. Like he's supposed to be like this, like menacing, you know, sexy, but dangerous like vibe. And he just, he looks pathetic. <laughs> I'm, I don't know. Like he's obviously not ugly, but it's, I don't know if it's he, the character or just the vibes that he exudes. Like he is... I, I just, I, I kind of just want to laugh when True. I see him on screen. It's like my first reaction. It's like, yeah. He, the thing is like, you could like, I could easily describe him as like pretty. I think he's very pretty. Like, but the whole point of Harden is that he's supposed to be handsome, which I understand. It's like, it's a, what am, what am I even saying? But I do feel like when you know, you know, you know what I mean? <laughs> but there's also like the problem with after is that like, because Harden Scott is supposed to be Harry Styles, mm-hmm. but at the same time he's supposed to be like this very weird interpretation of Harry Styles that has nothing to do with, with who Harry, Harry Styles yeah. with Harry Styles. So like with casting Harden, they had to like both find someone who had like vague similarities to Harry Styles, but at the same time ask him to act in a way that's completely like different, uh, different than what Harry Styles would act yeah. at like. I think they did a good job casting because I can't imagine Harry Styles acting like Like, but also like the character is very annoying. Like the character is very just like a caricature of a broody, troubled young adult Mm. that's also rich and British. So like I feel like this is kind of perfect casting because he's like he's like traditionally handsome. But also has a kind of um a bratty face that also lends itself well to being like this caricature of a broody asshole I, I i think it's good casting actually same with josephine langford because she yeah. has a very like girl next door and um like inviting kind of face and tess is supposed to be like the good girl type and mm. Yeah. Not the worst kind of casting. Um, sure. But yeah. I, I... No, okay, fair enough. I agree with what you're saying. Um, yeah, I, I feel like... I don't feel like we should... We have, like... I feel like there's, like, a subgenre of internet content, which is, like, different people, like, on the comedian spectrum describing the plot of the after film. So I don't think we have to recap it for people. <laughs> I mean... Yeah, that it's 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 what it is. Tessa is the the good girl. Uh, she it, goes off to college. She's... It's so strange as well because like by the time you like get to after two, so after we collided, which technically takes place like just like, not even a like I think like a month after. Yeah, a month. after after, and by the time you like by the time you get to after two. Like, it's supposed to be a college romance. Mm-hmm. Like, there is no college. And, like... Yeah. And Tess is 19, and she's being offered after, like, 
a week of internship, a management level position in Seattle, and she's 19, and she finished like a month of it's, like a month you of know, That's the thing about uh, the difference between after and after we collided, and the first one being just a drag and annoying, and after we collided being a blast is the people in after we collided act like more like adults mm -hmm. like act just you know they act like they're in their 20s and i mean you know it's very funny that it's supposed to be just like a month after after but all of a sudden they're much more grown up and that just makes things so much more fun because in after it's like the first hour at least is so painful because yeah. you are getting the girls fresh out of high school um arriving in college she's had a whole, her whole whole life like mapped out for her by her mom and she's had a high school sweetheart and like you get you know she's the only one in the movie that seems like she's college aged everyone else seems like they're 28 and they're acting like college kids and it's very just embarrassing to watch in full <laughs> it's like it's it's also painfully outdated like these archetypes are not what college is like at all like it's just it's just a, a, a embarrassing for everyone involved it's also just so annoying that i feel like specifically my pet peeve but um one of the things that uh, tessa and harden bond over is books and i just oh, hate man. i just oh. hate films that like are written by people who don't read books but they they want to write characters that are like bookish and like you know interested in literature because it always ends up being about five books with withering heights pride and prejudice the great gatsby maybe kill uh, to kill the mockingbird i almost said mockingjay because we were talking about the, <laughs> hunger, the hunger games earlier and like catcher in the rye those are the only five books that have ever existed that's it and it's just and it's it, and specifically with, with these films it's so fucking annoying because like they keep fucking referring to withering heights and like heathcliff and kathy and like whatever his soul and mind like they, they keep using this one line from the book whatever um whatever his soul and mine are made of it's like made of the same things or like something like that and it's just it's so fucking annoying like it annoys me to no end when you have like a literature literature um a lecture in a film or a tv show it's like <laughs> and you have to establish that a character is like a deep reader and it's like the most basic ass take on pride and prejudice and also like yeah <sighs> uh, it's 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 also it is um a symptom of like these of the people that also like write and consume this these types of stuff this type of stuff where they want to appear and come across as bookish and identify as bookish and they probably are because they probably read a lot more than the average person but they like dabble in a couple of like classics that you know are related to you know um love and relation romantic relationships and they, it seems just like they they stop there and they reference the same shit over and over and over and like the relationship to from that after has with 
literature is really funny. It's no, it is. It becomes it meta annoying, in the but second. It's, it's very funny. Yeah. It becomes meta in a, a an entertaining way in the second one, but like in the first one, it's just it's unbelievably cringe, because like Tessa is a young aspiring girl boss who wants to major in economics and business. And she's like, yay, I'm so excited to be going to college and learn about economics and business. But then she's also bookish because she's read Jane Austen. It's so and funny, then uh, Harden, oh, she's, he's the one that he, she bonds with because like he's also read them. Like he's so sensitive. It's also a bad like, boy. Like, oh. it's, it's also so strange because like as a bookish person and a person that like you know has bookish friends that's not how bookish people talk to one another no like, there's not like all there's like this exchange that like at the beginning of after it's like she's you know she found this like um like older hardcover edition of the great gatsby and like he's like oh that's a great book and something like that. it's a, a spoiler alert it's all it was just a dream and then like uh, tess was like no it was actually just a lie that's not how bookish people talk to about no books. But also, what what is subtext? Because like, <laughs> what's what is subtext even? Because like, the way they foreshadow the way the relationship goes, like it was all a dream. No, it was all a lie. Like, wait, wait, wait to foreshadow the entire relationship. Um, but it's also, also like so emblematic yeah. of these Warpath films because the same thing happened in like that Spanish incest film with oh, Romeo and Juliet. Right. Like they. It's just so emblematic and it's so annoying and so it's like I feel like to Harden like the only books he's read or like maybe not just Harden like that type of characters like the only books that exist or the the only books that you read is the hundred books like the BBC's list hundred books to read before you die like that's the only books yeah and um yeah, and it's always Pride and Prejudice, and like, oh man, the literature classes in, in, in after. It's just like, it's... wait, why are Tessa and Harden just straight up arguing, like bickering in the middle of a class, and the using thing is Pride also... and Prejudice as like subterfuge? And also, it's just, it's, it's just so annoying to me because, like, if you talk about Jane Austen literature classes, which you do, you talk about like her work in a class context. Like, you read those books as you should, like, as essentially works about, you know, the class system in, um, in the, uh, in the nineteenth century UK. And so, what happens to women within that system? And like, mm -hmm. what are their options? And like, it's. No one at fucking university level, if they talk about Jane Austen, like they are not interested in the love stories as sort of like some manifestation of what love is, because that's not what Jane Austen was writing about. Jane Austen wasn't interested in society and how societies work and sort of how within that society we have certain narratives that sort of like propel us into engagement with other members of that society. Like, you know, <laughs> what does like what does. Anna Todd like think literature classes are like I'm like do they does she think it's all about people bickering and discussing which characters they like the most like it's this so is not shipping wars this is not Tumblr <laughs> like people so talk about books with historical context because they want to learn about and you know society and history and, and people man in like people in lit classes do bicker but they bicker about like you know 
this philosopher is crass. No, this philosopher is crass. Or like, oh, I think this, like, they do bigger, but it's not like that. And it's also, it's just like, <laughs> and, and, and like, just the way they, the characters talk about books, it's like, no, but you should, like, and after we collided, it's like, no, but you should read fiction. It's, it's an escape from reality or whatever. Like, girl, shut up. Oh my God. Anna Todd. Todd's next book, The Spring Girls, a retelling of Louisa May Alcott's Little Women, was published in 2018. Mm-hmm. A retelling of Little Women? Oh, God. oh my god, the Afghanistan wait. In February 2020, 2022, Cosmopolitan announced the release of Todd's new novel to be published under her imprint. The Falling, which is a re- rewritten version of one of her previous works, The Brightest Stars, tells the story of a young girl named Karina falling in love with Kiel, a soldier fighting to overcome PTSD following free deployments in Afghanistan. Two more novels. Uh, that's, that's the series you were talking about earlier. And also, like, you know... I'm not saying that you have to go to university to be smart and, you know, write good books. But if you're writing a book that's set at college, just go to one class to know what that setting fucking looks like. (laughs) And, 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 like, the entire college setting is, it's so laughable because it's so divorced from reality and so outdated because, like, when she first arrives in her dorm like the roommates are like oh these are bad girls who like to party and like first of all they look 28 second um no they, they have are color for list- they are they- young they have color they, well, they yeah have exactly <laughs> yeah exactly and they listen to rock music so they're rebellious i'm like what I, I, <laughs> what is this is this the 80s is this the is this like the no, 50s the- but the thing is, like, university students have always been listening to rock music. I would say, like, Every, it, like it's at, like normal. The, like the mo- <laughs> like sort of. I think that when you're at university, like that's when you listen to the most like pretentious rock. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you, yeah. you go to university you get and into you just Velvet go- Underground. You get yeah. Into, yeah, yeah. It's like. And and they're not even listening to like they're not even re- referencing bands. It's all because they don't have the budget to license the music <laughs> in the first one. So they just like listen to supermarket music with guitars. I'm like, these are not. This is not serious. Like these are not serious people. It's, just, it's like, what do they think they're doing? It's it's so bizarre. Plus, like no one acts like that in university like no matter how many parties you go to or how much drugs you take no one just goes around parading like i go to parties i have sex and i have drugs no one does that and also like you know another thing that no one does like if you have a you know bookish like mouse like roommate uh, you're gonna fucking ignore her like like no one will like no come with us to this party no like at, I feel like at in high school people have like slightly more this like like sort of herd mentality. At university, if you isolate yourself, like no one will give a fuck about you. <laughs> like people are just gonna do their own thing and like yeah. mostly without judgment. And like yeah, no, the it's, girls in, the sense, in this. No, in, in the this, sense in the sense that sort yeah. of at university people have like more important concerns than sort of like you know being that involved in other people's lives like if you know you know what i mean it's like people yeah. just and and you know they're supposed to be rich kids i get it because they're vapid and shit but 
no one still no one acts like this it's so it's it and i'm not even you know call me hypocritical when my favorite shows is riverdale blah 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 but like <laughs> no like there's nothing indicative in this movie that it isn't try to portray what a real life in college should be like or would be like because it attempts it's it has like later on it has an attempt at portraying like trauma and parental abuse uh, and shit like that and i uh, mean jesus christ and i mean okay like I, if if i am no better than anyone else if i don't try to engage with this sincerely especially towards the second half like yeah. okay like i was watching this i'm like okay what am i doing if i'm just doing this to mock it like i i'm, I'm no better than i don't know people i find annoying <laughs> so like okay let, let me just try to engage what is this film why does this film have an audience of teenage girls and why i mean in the first half i just can't it's so ridiculous i can't i not mock it but like in the second half where the relationship between them is developing and they find out they have much more in common they, they expected they're trying to break away from their parents and whatever and they're they're one in the same their souls are one in the same and whatever and i'm like Sure, I can imagine, especially teenage girls, like, especially who are very shy or bookish or, you know, have their entire lives met out for them by their parents and stuff like that, to empathize with this and, like, yeah, to yeah. find the kindred spirit in it's... someone that appears completely different and all that. So, like, I, I, I see why some people are sincere would be sincerely invested in this relationship it's just obviously very simplistic and very just dumb and reductive and you know like you can you can recognize the idea there but like at the same time you can recognize that the idea is not well executed so like no it's, because it's the yeah. most basic version and most um like again what is subtext true like, and I think, like, sort of to, to add to what you've been saying, that sort of, you know, the bookish girl, like, I, I think sort of the persistence of the I was a bet trope is that, like, sort of on some level, um, uh, I think people, and I, I do think sp specifically teenage girls who feel overlooked find that uh, trope appealing because you have the juxtaposition of like oh she's just so plain and like normally you will look at her and that's why you know you can you can treat her as an object of the bed but then you get to know her and she's like she's the only real person that i know i feel like that sort of feeds into a very specific type of narcissism that can develop in teenage girls who are overlooked and that's why i think after could be appealing but at the same time it's not a you know it's it's just because that's the idea doesn't mean it's well presented or developed or actually enticing so um no yeah. no it's um when it's sincerely trying to say something about the first you know real love you have and like the first like i don't know soulmate you discover when you're coming of age and in, in college and break away from mm -hmm. your parents like 
whatever that whatever it's trying to do is just like squandered in um plastic supermarket music and plasticky aesthetics and constant montages that don't yeah. allow the actors to do any real work and the dialogue is shit because every scene other scene there has to be like a discussion or like a a, a bratty fit from Harden and like you know there's no space to for any real catharsis to happen if True. it's just paced and if it just looks like an ad for several it, different products or whatever like like a clothing like, line or whatever true and it's just also like written like like what part is written like there's there's no escaping it that's sort of like you, you know um i am a snob when it comes to fan fiction and like the only like what is is garbage fan fiction like there's a lot of garbage on other forums as well but i have never read a single good thing on wattpad and i've tried because uh, it had like a very convenient app for the phone whereas like reading ao3 on the phone is just nightmare <laughs> it's just it's, it's, um it's not a fun experience um it's been the same since 2013 oh um, yeah only because i visited the sites and which is, you know, apart, you know, on some it's level, just... it's endearing. Yeah, but yeah. If you're reading three hundred thousand word fan fiction, and like also for the real experience of fan fiction, you have to read it on your phone. Then like a like archive of our own is just it, it's a nightmare to read on the phone. It it truly yeah. it, it really is. So th- props to Wattpad to have like you know a slightly uh, on the technological level it's like slightly more fun to use yeah uh, we have uh, all the technological advancements necessary for you to read <laughs> your slop written by 16 year old girls at 4 a.m it's also like so annoying because like i can tell that sort of more and more wattpad kids are migrating to archive of our own now and so like there's just um there's a noticeable uh um uptick and shit on the free <laughs> What is popular in fan fiction these days with the kids? I do think a lot of, I mean, I don't, I don't know, but I, uh, I think, uh, I think a lot of kids are rediscovering fan fiction that I grew up on. I feel like Dremione Drim- is having a comeback, like enemies to lovers, like mm. old school enemies to lovers. Also, uh, all the young dudes. I don't know if you've read it, but like it's like. A magnum opus essentially became very popular i think on tiktok so you have this resurgence really? of, okay. of marauders fan fiction which i'm not mad about because that that was my favorite fan fiction growing up as well there's just so it's it's just so sad and you know um i think also ironically i i think there's less fan fiction now because the kids gravitate towards very formulaic, you know, young adult, new adult books that we've been discussing earlier. Yeah. So the fan fiction they're consuming is just stuff that's being actually published. So yeah. that's what they read. Yeah, yeah, so yeah like, that makes sense. St- style level, it's fan fiction, but it's like published as like real books. Whereas, yeah, yeah. 10 years yeah. ago, that wasn't happening as much. Yeah, um, yeah I, I, I guess... Um, uh what can i uh, contribute to this discussion I, I can tell you my notes for those two films uh 
my notes for after one are mostly just EO in capital letters. And my notes for after two are mostly just me laughing in capital letters. And I think that's all you need to know. <laughs> about yeah, I, I mean, the um, I have a lot of notes for, for after. I can barely like, I at some point I just started having fun with it. I was watching it on Netflix and um, I just, as, as I sent you. Is it Netflix in Portugal? Uh, I'm uh, in the UK. I'm using a VPN. Um, um And... I used to just uh, yeah, watch you were watching it in Japanese. In dubbed in Jap, I watched an entire scene dubbed in Japanese, and like the voice actors are the exact same ones that would do anime. It just doesn't sound any different. And it's really funny to see Harden and Tessa argue, um, arguing with yeah. Japanese voice actors on top. No, the bit that you've sent me was very. It's was so very good. Funny. I was just having fun with it at points. Um, let me see what I what that. Oh yeah, the the supporting cast. Just oh, what a yeah. bunch of idiot losers. I hate every single one of them. Uh, from the first one. From the first one. Oh yeah. Landon, oh. we've established he's a bore. He's nothing. He's like he's Tessa. Very... Tessa never he's... discovered Harden. He's, he's a goody two shoes, boring bitch. Um. I, we should also talk about uh, <laughs> speaking about London. Um. So the biggest recast is from film two to three because of COVID. But oh, something that I haven't noticed before is that there's like a subplot about London's mom marrying Harden's dad. And in the first film, uh, his mom is played by Jennifer, Jennifer Beals, Beals, who I've found out before we started recording is biracial. However, she does look white, at least in this film. Uh, yeah. And then... You go to after we collided, and suddenly London's mom is very black. <laughs> yeah, like it's very dark skinned. And it's like, you know, that's that's the kind of thing we're operating with, you know, like, uh, and the recasting just, you know, we'll talk about the next episode, but the recasting just reaches just ridiculous levels. Um, but I mean, yeah, the, the, uh, the uh, Hardin's dad also gets recast. It's just another, um, yeah, it's just like. It's it's what it is. Uh, other characters, I, 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 I like her. The mom is Tessa's mom is a nightmare. Like this she is, is. Oh my gosh, she's such a nightmare. I forgot that she is in so many scenes in the first film because she essentially like. I think it's partly because she's played by Sama Blair, and I think she's she's getting quite sick. Right, she has like this. Um, Degenerative. Oh, I didn't uh, know that. Oh yeah, she, I think that's why her scene in season, uh, season two and and film two is like shot in such a weird way. Because like normally she uses a cane mm. because she has like this um, essentially her her muscles are atrophying, uh, atroph atrophying, atrophying. Like you know, mm -hmm. um, and I I don't think she's working anymore. And that's why she's only in one scene, and like that scene, like is shot in a kind of very static way because I'm assuming that mm. they try to sort of block out that she needed help to stand upright. Um, so, you know, the mother is terrible, but I, at the same time, I'm happy that she was able to get some work. Yeah, I, I, I she's in a lot of things. Like she's a good actress, and she's in uh, storytelling by Todd Solons. It's really funny because I always that's the first thing I, my mind goes to goes to, and she's in. Like a very controversial, like provocative, like in poor taste segment in storytelling that I kind of love, and uh, it's just funny that she's here. Um, the 
Jennifer Beals being in this, and as big of an actress as she is, and she's in one scene playing Landon's mom. What was she doing? Was she was was she like living nearby? Was that it? I don't know. Like she's doing absolutely nothing. Maybe she's here. friends with one of the producers. Like, Maybe could you come and do one scene and then like call it a day? Maybe uh, yeah. And um, who else is there? Uh, go- oh man, the boyfriend. Uh, the, boyfriend, the first Noah, the first the Tess's high school boyfriend, who's like also, so controlling and so annoying. He's so weird because there's like one scene when I like, there's like this one scene and after when he's like, which I do think is like the only like nice scene between the two. Where he's like, oh, it's okay to change and it's okay to grow, like it's fine. And I was like, okay, that's like that's completely mm-hmm. out of character for you, but that's a nice moment. And then like beginning of after two, he's back to being like a controlling little bitch. And he's also played by the the kid from You season three as well. Yeah. Three. So I, I was watching I was rewatching this. I'm like, where do I recognize this guy? And then it dawned on me. Yes, it's You season three. But also, I don't know if you like sort of um, clocked this because he's in so much makeup and he's playing a lot older. He is uh, Oppenheimer's brother in Oppenheimer. Yeah. No, no, no. I clocked it. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, I'm like, what? Good for you. Look at that. That's the, br- the breakout start of start yeah. Of after. Kind, kind of, yeah. Kinda, Jesus. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like the thing is, I mean, the fact that the actor's kind of cute doesn't no doesn't even like um make up for how terrible the character is. He's also constantly with tessa's mom it's very strange it's just very a, weird uh and he is so controlling like he know, like tessa's at a party and all she does is is like you know all he knows is that she's at a party with new college friends okay but like the first thing he texts her is i'm so disappointed in you like, it's like what you is drink now wrong with you you go to like, parties now all you don't know what she's doing at the party. Why are you texting that you're disappointed in her? That's I'm, horrible. You're worse than Harden. Probably, no, probably because she's like her being at a party and like in the vicinity of alcohol is enough to be. It's it's also so strange with her mom and her like first boyfriend, Noah. It's just like the film gives you like no, like no reason for them to be this like hard ass on Tessa and to be so like conservative because like if if we at the beginning of after we are informed that her mom and her boyfriend are like very conservative Christians then I'm like okay that yeah, makes that's sense that's the subtext but you know it doesn't really go deep into that that would be an interesting thread to explore and like but... having that like element of sort of like you know Tessa is having like you know, repressed sexuality because of her, like, religious upbringing or whatever. Like, that would be something interesting to do. But, like, no, they're just, like, hard-ass and conservative because. Just because. Because they're blonde. And, and, because like, they're blonde. They, there's, this, there's this scene where, unprovoked, like, unannounced, Tessa's mom just breaks into her dorm room while she is with Harden and, like, 
she reacts as if the entire world is ending. Like, what do you mean with, with you're with a boy? It's like, and she already you're knew throwing, that. Like, it's, it's so funny. It's, like, you're Noah, throwing away everything we were working like for by like having a new boyfriend. And she's like, she's still at college. She's still doing classes. Like, she's not throwing away anything. Yeah, she just has a no, new boyfriend. She's just she's just doing her thing. She's going to like. She's never portrayed as anyone but a, a good student and very organized and motivated she just happens to be with Harden and I'm like listen I'd be worried too Harden sucks but also <laughs> what's you don't know Harden yet like that's mom does not know Harden yet at this point yeah and also like there is like you know there is nothing in her daughter's behavior like in terms of I don't know her, her grades aren't slipping as far as we know like nothing in terms nothing. of like Nothing in her behavior, other than the fact that she broke up with her uh, high school boyfriend that you really wanted her to stay for forever, I uh, guess. For some reason. For some reason. Like, there, there's no, like, red flags in her behavior. Like, there is no, no reason for you to worry that she's, like, you know, abandoning the grand plan. So it's, like, what the actual fuck? It's just the uh, worst. It's it's so bad. It's like it's in a in a in a grading sense, not like after we collided. Um let's let's talk about after else? we collided. Oh, oh my god, yeah. oh my god. The the line in the film that gave me the biggest ache. How, it it was a fierce competition, not gonna lie, but the line that gave me the biggest ache is towards the end where you have Harden, you know, narrating from, you know, having, you have that voiceover of him reading out his letter. Also, like, oh God, the fact the that, worst. like, his, like, their teacher gives Tessa his assignment because she's like, I feel like this was actually meant for you. Like, in Europe, you could never, like, no, that's what about illegal. fucking privilege? It's illegal. Like, like, that teacher would what? get fired. Like, you cannot even, like, publish results with like names of people and the grades like you have to use like some numbers and the grades because it, it, it's private fucking information <laughs> what uh, right what does anna Todd think literature classes are again i don't know like like let's just to, to before i forget the, the line that gave me the biggest egg mm-hmm. right we have the letter and he's like i never fuck i never believed in love i'm blah. That is, I never understood, like, you know, Pride and Prejudice, Darcy, whatever. That is until I've met my Elizabeth Bennet. I... I I gagged so loud that I'm happy that my roommate, like, wasn't home. Because, like, I don't know. It was just... So, he wrote this, a love letter to... Sessa, disguised as an essay, a personal essay about Pride and Prejudice. And like, that's what he ended in. Like, and the thing uh, is also like, you know, that's also a bad essay. You know, not, not to get no, it's, it's, it, it's, it's, it's even for a personal essay, it sucks. It's not interesting to read. It, like, even it if just, the assignment wasn't a personal essay, it's you just could write a personal written. essay that's good. But no, it's it's really bad. Like, it's it's badly written. And you have, like, a second before, like, his, you know, narration start, starts, the teacher's like, your your submissions, like, your assignments were all fantastic. You should be really proud of yourselves. Like, should they? Should they really? Like... <laughs> Oh god, no! It's it's so bad. I hate um, I, I hate when you have films and you have to 
pretend that someone is a good writer in the film and like it's just it's abysmal abysmally bad writing and then like the film is gaslighting you and like because i'm pretty sure t- like toward like towards probably film four or five there's gonna be like this reveal that like harden is you know this writer and like he mm-hmm. went in his little notebook he's like writing a novel all the time like i'm sure that's where we're going at least fucking try to make a character that's supposed to be like this like uber talented writer to like have decent 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 syntax you know what i mean like it's it's, it's so bad and um the way the film ends is also like okay yeah um so it just ends very abruptly with like it they reconcile there it's essentially this montage with the voiceover from Harden reading this personal essay and then like yeah Oh, I guess they they reconcile after Tessa finds out that she was a fucking bad. Am I a fucking bad? <laughs> um, but then one of my favorite, yeah. like that's how you know that like after two, after we collided, it's like immediately a better experience because after we collided, of course, starts with a you know recap of what happened in after in case you didn't remember. But what we find out at the very beginning of after two is that like the closing shot of after was actually Harden's hallucination. Tessa, in fact, did not give a fuck about Harden. She like Ooh. went on with her life. And like immediately you're like, oh my God, that's so much better. Yeah, like after Recolite just clearly has a sense of humor that after doesn't have. It's um so like one of the first things we see is Tessa just, you know, going to her new internship at the publishing company and Hardin is like just constantly like sitting at a sofa with a drink or like sleeping at his car. He's down in the dumps because Tessa doesn't want him anymore. And um this movie's kind of a blast. Like it's it's just it's more ridiculous in so many ways, but it's also so much more fun. Like there are so many fun scenes to talk about. And the, the, so... the, like okay. the sex scenes like obviously they aren't good, but like they're at least like you by that these characters are like somewhat attracted to each other meanwhile mm-hmm. it after so awkward yeah um yeah there's also so many like f- funny random choices like when Harden wake wakes up drunk in his car he's like accosted by this you know homeless person and then you know you, you think that's oh that's just a random extra and then like you have the final moment of the scene where the same homeless per- person Accosts him again, and da 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 da. It's actually Tessa's father. <laughs> Ooh, that's a fun, like soapy plot twist. Yeah. I liked. Um, I don't know. You just have so much fun shit going on, like some iconic, hilarious moments that are kind of way more tongue in cheek than after. Like, so when Tessa goes to the party from the publishing company and is like sharing the room with Trevor, played by. Dylan Sprouse, who's this nerdy uh, guy from Tessa's work. It's also so funny because, like, from the lot, like, from the tidbits of information we find out about Trevor, Trevor is like only one year older than Tessa, and the subtext is that, like, you know, he's at the same, he's the same age as Harden and like at the same level, which means that he's a college sophomore. And towards the end of the film, the like CEO of this publishing house offers him like a chief financial like executive officer yeah, it's, position it's to silly. a sophomore it's very it's just very silly uh like but 
I don't know, like Dylan Sprouse plays this character with a lot of sense of humor. I think he has a, a bunch of fun, genuinely funny yeah. moments. Like, um, and then Harden becomes the Joker. So they're like, they're sharing a room. And like Tessa drunk calls him at the party. And um, for some reason, Harden picks up all psychotic. He's like, I have your location. I'm like, wait, what? Where, where was this established? Like, how does Harden know where Tessa is? Like, and also, especially since she has him blocked. So, like, like how, I don't know how that happens. Um, and then, like, Harden is like, Tessa, you're drunk. I'm gonna get you. I'm gonna get you. It's like rampages through the party in the hotel room. It's like finds out that she's with Trevor. We find out that Harden and Trevor know each other because Harden was in the same internship. Blah blah blah. And he's like, "Fucking Trevor, fucking Trevor, Tessa, what are you doing, bro?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Okay, this is already a much better experience than after yeah. one because it's so ridiculous." Um, and so the pacing, it line. just like breaks your neck. Oh my god, no, no, no. The after uh, is like so slow, but after we collided, it's like constant chaos, constant bullshit happening and happening. Yeah, everything, everything is so much more chaotic. And after we collided, it's constant hysterics. Like they break up and um, get back together like three different times in the movie. It's just, it's so much more fun. Like, and it, like Tessa's also so unhinged in this film. Yeah. Like, one of like, my favorite scenes like, is when they she, go to like mm -hmm. a New Year's Eve party and she just like has this ridiculous fight with Molly. Like first like uh you know like uh you know like uh, exchanging insults and then like literal fight. It's it's the yeah, best. I I love it because like Molly is this character that um is this caricature of a of a bad girl like um, who hangs around Harden and is Harden's hex situationship, I guess, and hangs around like her ex roommates, Atessa's ex roommates, mm -hmm. and like she's so evil. She's the, like the devil. Like she's <laughs> demonic. It's like her master plan is to like steal Harden from Tessa. And like I love it when Tessa is all drunk and she's like, let's play truth or dare. And like, and Molly goes like, like, like is it, "Oh, is it true that you're a whore? Did you just call it. me? A, a, did you just call me a whore? No, I just ask, I, I just ask you a question. Is it true that you're a whore?" I love it. Like, it's so, it's so much fun. It has like the sense of humor and the energy that after one just doesn't have. Like, and like, I don't know. That's that's an iconic scene. Like, is it true that you're a whore? And they, they like bleach each other's hair and they fight and then they like. Tess and Harden go upstairs and they fuck and Tessa suspects that Harden was with another and girl. And also, I feel like there's a detail here that people have to know. Um, Tessa comes exactly at midnight. That's there's true. There's like a countdown. And like, That's true. as the countdown like reaches midnight, she comes. So um, it's a, it, it's, it's, it's a, a choice. It's, a, it's like, you know, it's a sense of humor again. Like, yeah, it's but it's a, also it's so good. funny with that whole party because like you have drunk Tessa being like having this like ridiculous fight with Molly then like Harden and Tessa are just like extremely like lovey and horny towards each other and then they have like this ridiculous fight in the like front yard of the house where the party is at and it's just it's it's and it's, it it's all within be. like 15 minutes yeah in in movie time it's all takes place in 15 minutes but also in um 
So in real time in the movie, it's all in 15 minutes, but in movie time, this all happens in like three to four minutes. And then the scene immediately after all of that happens is when Tessa gets into the car accident. It's like the most unhinged. Oh my God. It's like the most unhinged three to four minute, uh, like segment in any movie. She's immediately out of the hospital and like back in high heels. Like it's it's, so it's ridiculous. Good. It's, it's so ridiculous. Good. So like so that's his drink at a party. She's with Harden. They fuck like all the time. And they do it again at the New Year's Eve party. And then she suspects Harden was with another girl. And Tessa because lashes out he, at Harden. No, no, no. I think like it's also an important detail. It's not just like another girl because Harden, because he's so in love with Tessa, he just wants to be a better person for her. So like he went to one of his former co- conquests. He, that's how he calls. Oh yeah, conquest. Girl, my former conquest to apologize to her for his behavior. And Tessa like mistakes that you know for. Harden's cheating on me and then so she's walking out of the the party by the way drunk she kisses a random dude and Tessa's like and Harden's like Tessa what are you doing like why are you kissing random it's so it's it's like so she just she she fucks Harden she comes she gets out of the room immediately suspects that Harden was with this other girl storms out of the party cussing out Harden kisses this other kisses this other guy Harden acts like a psycho all of a sudden, and then the scene ends. This is all in like within one minute, mm-hmm. and it's like should have known better. By Sufjan Stevens starts playing. <laughs> Harden has no, an existential. Like... No, yeah, no, no, yeah, that's no, no, when, no. Um... That's that's after the Christmas party right, where right, he sort right. of breaks the lamp. No, 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 that's... right. But there's another sad. That's Harden a different montage. Harden breakdown. <laughs> yeah, that's a, a, a like Harden has several mental breakdowns. It's, it's, like Harden's all sad now. Um, and then Tessa's is just going about her little business. All of a sudden, no, no, no. She's see... not. No, she's not going about her little business. She's like front because Harden after their fight, like he doesn't come home. By the way, let's talk about their apartment because that's very strange. Because in first film, you have the apartment that they move in together after like two weeks of dating each other, and it's it clearly established in after that this apartment belongs to some professor at the school that you know is away for a semester and Hardin's been asked to like take care of it while this professor is gone so it's clearly established that they essentially are babysitting this property right it's not theirs and then by the time we're in like movie two apparently that's Hardin's apartment and he's breaking all of this shit and like also like what is time in this film because it begins at it begins essentially i guess during summer during the summer break after the first year which also doesn't make sense because like the first film ends with the first semester so where where's the spring semester and then like you have summer she has this internship and then suddenly it's christmas and it's new year's Year's. and then all of this (laughs) seems to take place all yeah all of this seems to take place during two weeks like in within the two-week period it makes absolutely no sense it's like it's breakneck pace. You don't really know what's going on. It's all constant hysterics and like Harden and Tessa making up and um, 
breaking up again. Uh, yes, and so like when she's when she's in the car crash, which is very Glee esque. It's giving. Oh yeah, it's giving, it's giving like Fabre's car yeah. crash when she's texting, and uh, it's also giving. It's also shot in the exact same way as in Whiplash when Miles Teller's character yes. gets 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 into a car accident. It's shot in the exact same way. I can tell what the director was thinking. <laughs> but his brother. No, but she's looking for Harden because he didn't come home for. Um, that's right. Yeah. Uh, after the New Year's New Year's party, and so she's like frantically looking for him all over town, and that's why, like you know, she gets in this car crash, and and then she's immediately fine. Like you know, she leaves the hospital in the next scene, and then you have Trevor picking up her phones. Like when Harding's like, "What happened to?" The-? Because it's also very funny because like. Harding kind of sees the accident because he's oh, yeah. trying to get home with this like random girl and he's like oh, stop 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 Tessa like the way he screams Tessa it's is just... so good so like so they just happen to be like and so you don't really know but the way this is directed you don't really know like the geography of the roads that they're traveling in so like you just know that they're like Harding's in the vicinity of the accident so like so the car hits Tessa's car and then Harding sees this happening like wait is that tessa so just like no pull over pull over pull over and he just runs after the ambulance screaming tessa it's so like it's i have a ball like it's it's this like five minute period in the movie that i just have a ball every time every time i watch it i've seen this movie like three times this this is it like this is the part of the movie that i have the most fun with and then you because it's like yeah sorry and then you have like the whole uh, whole like when when trevor picks up Mm. the phone and he's like, you're not good for, for Tessa. If you really love her, you should let her go. And it's so funny because then, like, then Trevor confesses to Tessa about it. And he's like, I'm sorry. That was, like, out of the line. And he's like, and I feel so bad to Trevor. Because, like, he's the only, like, normal person in this film. No, tre- Trevor is, just seems like a normal guy. Like, a, like a, a little funny, goofy guy. And I, I love the way he says um, to Harden, like, you should get away from Tessa. You're toxic and you're bad news. Get away from this is life. One of my favorite line deliveries and after we collided, it's like at the beginning of the film where Trevor, when they're at the nightclub and like Trevor, you know, it's like, I've had enough, I'm going home. He said, uh, wait, I have, I have it written down. Wait, wait, wait. It's, um, how is it? Uh, I'm drunk, uncomfortable, and I saw a tampon on the ground. I'm leaving. <laughs> Trevor's so real. Like he's, he's so real. Like, and uh, I love the, how, this is my headcanon. And I like to think that this wasn't in the script and this was Dylan Sprouse's idea. So like, Tess is like, after um, Harden and Tessa hook up in the hotel, after Harden finds Tessa with Trevor, sharing mm-hmm. the, the room with Trevor. This is like the morning after. She's like, how do you know Harden? And like, Trevor, oh, she was in the same, he was in the same internship as you. She was in the same position. And like, oh yeah, we were lovers. We had a, we had a thing. And then we, we had a torrid affair. We had a torrid affair. And like, I kind of want that to be true. Like, I know that's thrown in as a joke, but like, that'd be, a, that'd be okay. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. Yeah, no, I know. That'd be I, interesting. Plus Trevor has bisexual energy. I don't, like, yeah. he, just, he just does. He has, no, I'm sorry, he has too many tattoos to like seem as a straight person to me especially he has like a gay leaning tattoos because there are like tattoos that are like scream straight guy energy he has like very he has the same tattoos that like you know agatha would have for example like they're very like like, gay coded like a any 
wink at any college would have or something. Yeah. Like it's it's it I, I really like Trevor. He might be my favorite character in the entire franchise. Oh no, uh, I, I I second that. I also really like uh, the character played by Candace King, not because it by any means she's Kimberly, I think it's her name. Not not because like by any means she's like a well-rounded character, but it's just because I love I loved Candace Candace King in um, in The Vampire Diaries. She she was my favorite mm. character in that show. She's just so consistently mm-hmm. like exactly knew what the tone is and knew how to like sort of make the emotional moments emotional and the funny moments like funny and she was like the only female character in that show that sort of just got better with each season she's just so good in that show and you don't really see her i mean you you know i don't really see her in much she also i feel like kind of semi-retired from acting when she got together with her now former husband it was just so i was just so excited to see her again and uh yeah <laughs> yeah i i like a, at least enough to recollect it i like uh tessa's bosses like her and yeah christian vance like i don't know it just seems like this movie which is just so much more fun to make and that like that um is is apparent on screen when you're watching because the script is terrible the story is like it's it's obviously like nonsense but I think this is the best case scenario for a movie with this type of ridiculous plot. And True. just because the actors just seem like they're having so much more fun. Like and so I many good it... line deliveries. Like I like I like to make fun of Hero Fine Different, but I just the way he overacts when he's mad at Tessa and he's like supposed to be portraying like his abusive tendencies because of his trauma or whatever. He's like, Tessa, no, fuck you, Tessa. Oh, I'm angry at you now. Oh, why are you fucking Trevor? Tessa, no. And, like it's like, so funny. I feel like after like after we collided, like sort of consciously or subconsciously just plays into the strength of its cast and like a lot of them just have very good comedic timing and like even if you give them like shit dialogue but if you give them like good pacing they will be able to make it funny whereas yeah. sort of uh, and I feel like sort of to, to come back to our tentative podcast hero Josephine Langford I feel like probably when she was like making this film she was like oh okay like these are these movies are shit but they're like so batshit crazy I can sort of like have fun, but also like showcase my like abilities as a comedic actress, and then after yeah. three happens. <laughs> mm-hmm. in, in the first movie, I can commend her on trying to at least get some imbue the character of Tessa with some humanity when she is supposed to be all shy and bookish. She's yeah. like not just a character. She's like, yeah, she tries. You know, doesn't really work, but it, she tries. But then when she when Tessa is supposed to be like post hardened and, and She's supposed to be like emancipated in her own woman or whatever. She can, you know, be funny and be like sassy. Like yeah. she's so good in the party scene when she's drunk, for example. Like she just, she's just funny. She's very funny. Um, she's also very funny at the nightclub when she's drunk for the first time. But also like that dress she's in like the golden like nightclub dress is so ugly and it's like it's it's so funny to me when movies do that that like like they choose a dress that doesn't like um look good um because for example it's like, just a cheaply made dress or just like it's it's not the color or like shape that would particularly suit even a like a very like beautiful actress such as Jennifer uh Jennifer Josephine Langford uh it's just it's it's a shit dress and you can tell that's a shit look 
like not because Joe looks bad in it, but just because it's a bad dress. It's a badly made yeah. dress. And then like all of the characters are like, oh my god, you look stunning. <laughs> it's all very silly, isn't it? Yeah. And um, yeah. No, that that, guess... that was like my consistent note throughout. Uh, uh, after we collided, so silly, so silly, so silly. It's yeah. It's all just very silly and. Um... Yeah, I guess the bottom line is like this is the peak of the series. It's yeah. also the peak of the genre. Yeah, as it's like it's, it's nonsense. all it's all downhill from here. I think. Yeah, it is, and um, it's also the only film after film directed by this director, Roger Campbell, who, as we've established, is director of Beautiful Disaster, which also... has the like it, it's the closest to this energy, mm. I'd say, because that movie tends to be quite fun as well towards the end at least because the beginning is a nightmare as well yeah um yeah it's a like he also directed falling in love if you remember that oh, yes uh, so so this guy no this falling guy in was, love i, I remember yeah. that was cute yeah, falling in, in, love, in, in, in love yes uh and uh i don't know i just got the sense that this guy has a sense of humor and knows how to you know, imbue oh the God. shit material he, with uh, some sense of fun and pace. He uh, directed The Sweetest Thing, like the raunchy comedy with Cameron Diaz. I don't know if you've seen it. No, I haven't, but uh, he did Cruel Intentions as well. But he mm. knows what he knows that this material, he knows how to make this kind of movie be fun and um, yeah. enjoyable in some sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I feel like that's all we could we can say about the series. For now. It's very much. It's very much like, you know, after one is as, um, like, boring as you have heard and as cringy as you have heard. But honestly, like after we collided, is a it's kind of a legendary movie around these parts. That movie on its own, it's a podcast here because it is so much fun. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's 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 like it's night and day when it comes to the entertainment value of these. But then it just as we. We'll discuss next time. It goes downhill so fast. Oh yeah, um, yeah. No, I also find sort of the title so annoying. Like, why? Oh, don't get do... started. Why can't it just be after one, after two, after three, after four? Why do they have like why? Why do they have such similar sounding, vague ass titles? All of them to the point where it's like confusing. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, because it's so, okay, after, after after we collided, after we fell, after everything. After we fell. F and then the last one. And no, no the I fourth one is the worst. The fourth one is the worst because it it is a word salad. It's after ever happy. What does that mean? Let's make any sense. After <laughs> then you have ever after happy. everything. Yeah. Like, so after oh everything God. makes sense. After we collided as well, because that movie has just car crash energy. But then like uh it's the after other one fell. after, after we, we fell. fell um uh, that reminds me oh yeah. my god i have an idea for a future episode have you ever seen fallen fallen it's um it's a wannabe twilight uh about angels no, no, but you have talked to me about this before. I feel like we should, like, on this train mm -hmm. uh, of teenage content, I think we should also do Fallen. Um, yeah. 
because it's very funny. Uh, yeah, yeah, I remember you telling me about this. Yeah. Uh, uh, so yeah, like. So I so after... the point. Mm-hmm. The the final thing I'd like to leave the people with, uh, you know, uh, after this fo- first installment of what's going to be a trilogy of content, um, watch the other Zoe. Like I, I will, other than after we collided, I will not recommend those films to anyone. But watch the other Zoe, not because it's necessarily a very good film, uh, but uh, because it serves. Sort of, the like the romantic pair there has like a very nice chemistry and it's like actually very enjoyable to watch them like slowly get to know each other and the other Zoe sort of gives you all the best elements of Josephine Langford's performance from these films so you can sort of see her potential and you can sort of share our campaign to get her into better films <laughs> yeah I, I I guess I'll do it I'll do that as well just to to support I mean, the status of Josephine as a podcast hero. <laughs> it would be very funny if, like, next episode you come and say, like, I watched the other Zoe, it was shit. <laughs> well, let me see what the people have to say about the other Zoe. It's like, the other Zoe. It's, it's, it's relatively. I feel like, again, it's well because liked, like, I think. It, it, it's I very, like, it's very formulaic, but I feel like sort of it rides on the strength of the two leads being very likable and also just like very fun to watch together. So, like, mm-hmm. I, I've seen, for example, a lot of just fun videos of the two to like different songs. And honestly, with a rom com, that's like, that's okay. Like, you don't have to reinvent the genre. You can just have, have two cute people fall in love and that's fine you know what i mean <laughs> yeah 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 i um i will I, I think i will just to have it on the background even if it's just to have on the background and to support also- josephine um as a podcast hero and as like a little side note on this journey that we're going on yeah it's also very short it's like only 90 minutes so mm-hmm. yeah and but yeah yeah, that, that sadly that... we've reached the entertainment peak of the after series because, like, I think the next episode's gonna be a nightmare. Oh my god, I feel like, uh, no, especially since, like, for example, with after one, I was able to like do funny things with the film, similar to you, like you know, switching dubbing or like I don't know, like I there were parts that like I watched at twice the speed, um, but like. <laughs> With After Free, we I do remember we've watched it, but like I don't really remember anything about it other than like the cast change, like that everybody. Yeah, the cast ex- changes. Everyone seems like they're asleep, uh, including the two leads, because it was shot during COVID lockdown. Yeah. So they moved the whole production to Bulgaria. It seems like it was a nightmare to make. Yeah, and, um, and, and yeah. with After Four, I've never seen it. I don't know about you. So like no. I will have to pay attention, which just. <laughs> we'll have new plot developments at least because like we have seen after and after we collided several times at least i have yeah oh yeah i didn't get into that because i i yeah i i had to after we collided i've seen i saw in the cinema yeah but i think after we collided was the last one to have a cinematic premiere or uh I'm... not in not in portugal they're constantly in cinemas in portugal maybe um, no it could they could have maybe in the u.s though Maybe they, or maybe they were in cinemas here, but like because sort of uh, after three and four came out during the pandemic, like I just didn't clock mm. them as much. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, the US, I don't think they are anymore, at least in at least if they are just very select theaters. But yeah, they got real depressing real quick, I remember. And yeah. um yeah, I after I saw several times, not because it's good, because for my former job at YouTube, I had to see <laughs> so many scenes of it. They're constantly And it's also again not you know very chaste if you ask me in terms of the sex scenes like it's not like yeah it's it's very tame yeah after collided again is much more fun in every aspect including that one because it gets a little bit fun with that at least yeah yeah, true true um and uh yeah yeah, after collided just watch because it's it's fun and watch after we collided like if you have to you know retain anything if you listen to this after we collided i don't know like grab a glass of wine and watch it with a friend because it's kind of a blast it's, it's so fun it's so funny you really don't have to see uh, like the, the the film will tell you what happened in after yeah like you really don't have so, to see after to watch after we collided so lowest common denominator did like the in the like the first montage is just like explaining but it also explains like later on in the film it explains both what happens in after recollated and like explains to you what just happened in the film and also what how it relates to what happened in the previous film it's like it you really don't have to prepare anything to watch after recollated and it's just so ridiculous and funny like I, I, i i i don't remember the last time i was laughing this hard at a film it's just like like I I'm begging at least after four because we know after three is terrible but like after mm-hmm. four, but it's the same director that as after oh, after God. three, and I feel like after four and five are also like solely written by the director of the like, oh. I, and I, I really think I really think we will want to die. <laughs> I don't know maybe. It'll be a case of like, because I had fun with After One this time around, because I just had like kept making myself laugh with notes and making the actors speak Japanese. And... <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? We shall we yeah. shall find out, and the 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 three people listening to us will find out with us. You know, it's um it's fine. Um, yeah, I feel like though, like After Five will be the worst one though, because like it's just hard and all the time in Lisbon. <laughs> it's I can't. I can't even conceive that. I. Yeah. Yeah. No. I don't know what to say. I just don't know what to say. When I saw yeah. the trailer, I was just like, wait, is this what this is? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess we'll have to find out. 